On your Thursday episode of Locked On Raptors, how do you examine the Raptors season in an NBA season that's been unlike any other? Today, we dig into parody and the Toronto Raptors place within it with Katie Heindel of Basketball Feelings and Dime and the New York freaking Times. It's all coming up. Thanks so much for hanging. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on? Welcome to episode number 1371 of Locked On Raptors for Thursday, March the 30th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons on various platforms. You can find all my work over on Twitter at WoodleySean. Don't follow me there. Go to Locked On Raptors and follow the Instagram page, baby. It's a new world. Locked On Raptors on IG. We're unlocked now. We're posting clips. It's a beautiful, beautiful place. Go there. You can also go and subscribe to the podcast for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts in audio form. It's much appreciated. When you support the show, tell a friend and listen every day of the week, would you? Um, today's show, we're digging into parody. The Toronto Raptors place within the parody. Is there really all that much of a stigma to be tied to being in the middle en- anymore when everybody's kind of mid? We're going to dig into those questions with Katie Heindel. But of course, it's a big day for Katie as it is the first day of the baseball season. Katie, are you excited? Can you feel it? Can you smell the fresh cut grass? It starts today already? It does start today. Your favorite sport, baseball, hmm. starts today. Hmm. I thought they were still <laughs> doing spring training. You'd think, because they do it right up until like the last day uh, before the season starts, and then you just go right into it. There's no, there's no lead time. It's just like one day off between spring training and real games. Is there a Blue Jays game today? There is a Blue Jays game today, Katie. It's very That's exciting. Four o'clock? No, it's down in St. Oh, Louis. They don't God. make their their debut at home for a couple of weeks' time. But uh, I just I know that you love baseball mm-hmm. so much, and so I had to get your thoughts on baseball starting. Of course, it's your favorite of the sports every year, I guess. So <laughs> and then it ends later, and soon it will just be all year round. What a wonderful world that would be. Uh, by the way, go listen to Locked On Blue Jays, which just started up this week with the new host, Craig Ballard. Go check it out as the uh, the Jays get rolling today. We're not going to talk about baseball today, though, Thank because God. Katie actually, <laughs> if you couldn't sense from the tone of my voice, actually hates baseball. And this is, of course, a Toronto Raptors podcast. And we're going to go a little bigger picture today. This is maybe a topic pulled directly out of an old episode of uh, Basketball, our general NBA podcast that we use to do where we mostly just talked about which mascots made us the horniest but uh, we're going to dig in today to parody and the league at large you know we've talked about the play-in race both in the east and the west everybody is basically 500 and it's kind of a, a new world for the NBA, of course, for I think most of our lifetimes. It's been a league of stratification. You get the top end teams, you get the bottom end teams, and everyone in the middle is to be pointed at and tarred and feathered and you know shamed into either moving up or down. But this season, it feels different, Katie. It is, it's a situation where everyone's kind of average, and so in that case, 
maybe no one is average. I don't really know like what, what the, the way to look at this is, but I think breaking down this Raptors season is particularly difficult because of the parody around the league and because everybody is sort of in that soupy middle outside of like maybe nine or ten teams. Before we get into the Raptors situation and where they kind of slot into the league's mushy middle, I want to just get uh, the, the question out there, Katie, the, the sort of very easy one to start this with. Mm-hmm. Do you think parody is good? Are you enjoying this parody-fueled, everybody kind of is flawed season that we're seeing in the NBA? Or do you prefer when there are dominant teams who just lord over everybody else and make everybody else miserable for long stretches of time, a la LeBron James in the 2010s? What say you, Katie? Is parody good? I mean, you really set that up for a parody positive <laughs> answer, but you know, I, yes, I do. I think it's um, very good. I think it speaks really to the breadth and like depth of talent mm-hmm. uh, entering, like entering the NBA now in that you have a team like the Cavs, you know, and the Kings fueled by young players. Uh, you've got teams that didn't necessarily have a shot on paper mm-hmm. now looking like if given like a foot in the door, they could bust the door wide open. You know, I saw someone talking about on Twitter. I think it might have been Matt Moore. Uh, just who who would be the worst in a one game playing situation? You know, mm-hmm. like who's what team is not built for that? And mm-hmm. I had a hard time. I did not respond, but in my head, I was <laughs> running through an airport thinking, like, who is that? Like, uh-huh. I, I I'm not really sure. Which again, I do think speaks to parity you get some of these teams into a one game situation you actually do not know what could happen and and how the cards could fall i think the parity uh question is really interesting because where maybe even i thought you know back in february pre all-star teams more teams were going to start pulling away or thinning mm. out you know in that really dense pack of the middle it didn't happen mm-hmm. and you just have continual reshuffling and kind of rejigging and people uh teams rather looking to just go up, you know, a game or two here or there on someone mm-hmm. else. But that really dense pack, I don't think speaks to a lack of skill. And it doesn't mean that these teams aren't rising to the top because they're not as good as a Celtics or a Bucks, you know, mm-hmm. um, or, or a Nuggets or a Kings. Mm-hmm. It's because those teams are now, I think like in a more unique position to be so uniquely singular and to their credit, too, have been working for seasons and seasons to get to the top. Mm-hmm. But it's, it throws a bit of a wrench in terms of your team building plans of, and I think we're going to talk about this, how do these teams now pull out of yeah. the middle? And how yeah. do they really separate themselves? Which is going to make for more creative basketball because teams can't just copy other teams anymore in terms of a blueprint for, for success and what a winning team looks like. They're mm-hmm. going to have to really individualize it to their own roster, you know, and that's going to make for better coaching, more creative coaching. Some coaches are ready for that. Some, I would look at the Mavericks, are not. So, oh boy, are the Mavericks (laughs) not ready for anything except golf. Uh. But I think that's a good example of, you know, you're you're resting on your laurels in that you're like, well, wait a second. We have a superstar. We added another one. Why isn't this working? Mm -hmm. It's going to get way more complicated now, which will eventually make for way more exciting and unique basketball i think frustrating for some fans but for me i love it yeah like i know it's been a frustrating season for raptors fans but like if you just take like a ten thousand foot view pretty much everybody's frustrated i don't think the raptors are special in their frustration necessarily Mm -hmm. and yet to like answer my own question I think the parody is good. I think there are ways in which parody is not good. Like, I am a big NHL fan, and I kind of find the parody in the NHL 
to not be good because it's sort of artificial. You have like a hard salary cap. You have loser points for games that go to overtime that make some games worth more points than others. It makes Mm -hmm. playoff races seem close when they're not really actually because it's hard for anyone to gain ground because of loser points. And it's just, it's so, it's the type of game where it's so spread out and just kind of, it's all coin flips. It is your goalie hot and all that stuff. Like that kind of parody is too chaotic, too random. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's it's not my kind of parody. This Mm -hmm. parody in the NBA has kind of organically been created by, yes, the salary cap to some extent. There's only so much money you can give to, you know, big threes of players and all of that. But it's also just like, there's so many good players now and they all interact with each other differently on their teams and some of it you get these wonderful concoctions of wow De'Aaron Fox and Demonis Sabonis look how fun this bloody team is like there are plenty of duos like that even more talented duos just on paper than those two guys where it hasn't quite worked out because basketball is a complex game and I just think it's been really fascinating to see all these teams kind of go through the motions at at various points Mm -hmm. but I guess you know it just feels different to me than previous years where you look at the middle of the league and you kind of hold your nose and like, Oh, look at these disgusting 35 win teams. It doesn't quite feel like there should be that stigma on these teams anymore. Obviously these are all flawed teams. The Raptors are very much in this bunch. You got like half the league is within four or five games of 500. It's not where you want to be necessarily, but do you think there should be like a, a sort of stigma tied to these teams that are in the middle, or is this just maybe the the new way of doing business in the NBA where there's actually maybe like some charm to being in that group of teams? You're in playoff races. You have a compelling end to your regular season. No, it's not playoff success and all the ultimate goals that everyone is shooting for, but like, mm-hmm. does it almost make it worth it to be in this very competitive morass of teams just as a fan to watch over the course of a season? Like to me, I find it's very compelling and actually makes my six months of watching basketball feel kind of worthwhile. Maybe I'm a sicko who's just fine with okay, but uh, we could talk to a therapist about that more. But Katie, should there be a stigma against these teams that are kind of in the middle and looking to try to move up? No, because being in the middle now, being in this um, the thick of it and or this quagmire, however you want to look at it. it quagmire, what a yeah, word. Yeah, yeah, it's a great one. Uh, it speaks more to the, again, the depth of talent there. Mm-hmm. It takes now like a unique, and again, to go back to what I said earlier, individualized team to mm-hmm. get to the one or two or three spot and a bit of luck, I would argue. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I think all the teams in, you know, maybe five seasons ago or more that would have been there by default just because mm-hmm. they had a bit of a hot streak. They had a couple superstars paired together on their team are now falling to the middle. So it doesn't mean that they're bad. You know, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd say like you want to cap it at maybe 10, but anything above 10, like, under 10 in the, in the NBA standings, mm-hmm. probably pretty bad. Right. <laughs> but we know but even then you have Luka bad. freaking Doncic on a team that is in 11th right True. now. True, like, exactly. He's incredible. He's one of and the five best players alive. I know I'm a diehard, but I would <laughs> say, you know, the Pistons have raw talent. It just hasn't been put together in that yeah. way. Yeah, they've been so, injured and stuff. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah. Uh, so again, it's just like it's the, the league is so talented now that it basically it just makes it even harder to stand out. And to be yeah. but it makes for very compelling basketball, as you're saying, on any given night of the week. I think especially in this last stretch, it's made for really exciting basketball going into the 
like the the last you know furious runway. Oh to, yeah, to the postseason because so many teams are now vying for either a last like playoff berth that's still up for grabs or a play-in spot. And again, in past seasons, I think that's something that would have been clarified by now. You'd have mm-hmm. a lot of teams giving up, slacking off, you know, and now even your top seeded, no, not the ones that have locked, but like your top seeded teams can't really afford to do that. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I just, I don't really see a downside to it mm-hmm. unless you do like predictable, uh, kind of rudimentary basketball i I do love the chaos and i think it makes for and this isn't i think this is actually one of the problems i see with the raptors right now Mm. as they close out their season but it means that everyone on a roster has to really be locked in and committed to playing individualized basketball per game every game Mm -hmm. which is hard Mm -hmm. it's a tall order um in march right and like early april in the nba in the past, but for teams to really, you know, get out of this, this mm-hmm. like middle, the thick middle that we're talking about, everybody's got to be on board and have the same kind of buy-in. And I think it's going to do something to teams that are in these middle positions when they're either drafting or picking people up, you know, on the free agency market or looking ahead to how they want to construct their teams based on draft classes coming in, building mm-hmm. more to type, like, perhaps like what the Cavs, you know, have done and have been so successful at. It lends more to patience uh, for front offices, which mm-hmm. that's just like those two words don't tend to go together. Uh, but I like that because you got to play the long game at the same time, right? you got to really be a mastermind. So that side, I like it. Mm-hmm. That is where I want to take us next and get into the Raptors side of this. And in particular, the concept of like team chemistry. Oh, it's a, it's a theorial. We can't prove it. Is it a thing? Uh, it's very clearly a thing that matters. We're going to get into how chemistry might be the vehicle by which the Raptors can take themselves from their current station to somewhere better and get into the, all of that in just a second. Before we do that, however, got to tell you about our friends over at Ultimate Pro Basketball GM. It's one of the coolest games you're ever going to play. If you are the kind of person who loves to manage a team from the background, you like to play NBA 2K or MLB The Show, and just go in and make your trades, sim through the games, and get to the offseason. Well, Ultimate Pro Basketball GM has streamlined that whole process into one easy mobile game for you. This game allows you to manage every strategic aspect of a franchise, playing through seasons and leading your franchise and fans to glory as you build a historic dynasty. In the simulation, you're responsible for dealing with challenging personalities, team chemistry, for example, hiring the right coaches and assistants, trading and training players, making draft picks, and navigating your franchise through free agency in the draft, all up the up all the ups and downs everything you might go through over multiple seasons of running your own basketball franchise it's all in a realistic and challenging game world as well ultimate pro basketball gm is completely free and playable offline you can play on the go as you want and when you want to and you can play with your friends as well you can go join little leagues and build dynasties and there's nothing better in sports than making your friends feel bad when you beat them at fake sports that's really what it's all about locked on raptors listeners get a 100 free boost to their franchise when they use the promo code locked on in the game store so go make sure to check it out to download the game just visit probasketballgm.com scan the code on your screen right now or go and look it up in the app stores that's probasketballgm.com ultimate pro basketball gm start your dynasty today 
All right, we continue on here. Katie Heindel of Dime and Basketball Feelings, the New York Times, photos with Grimace, uh, all of that. Uh, wonderful stuff from your trip down to Houston, by the way, Katie, for the McDonald's All-American game over the past weekend. More Grimace photos, please. More with the rest of the McDonald Land crew, please. Um, those are really the pictures I want from you anymore, Katie, frankly. Uh, <laughs> I joke. You can send pictures no of a King Cake Baby me, as well. No one would tell me if the Ronald that was there, who kind of mm -hmm. freaked me out. Um, yeah, Ronald kept, is a sicko. Kept passing. Just, mm -hmm. Like, passed him going into this VIP lounge at the half, and he was, like, eating. And it's like, it's weird to see that guy just eating food and, like, being yeah. in the world. But I asked someone, I was like, do you have local Ronalds? Or does this Ronald? <laughs> and they were like... Ronald's like they were basically trying to imply like Ronald's like Santa and I was like all right, right. That's, a good, that's a good like uh, brand line answer but it's not what I wanted to know it's like is they this really moved Ronald from Houston they really moved <laughs> Ronald McDonald out of the sort of front facing with good reason that guy's advertising. a creep <laughs> eh, look I'm a king cake baby supporter I like freak mascots I not think I'm alright with Ronald McDonald you like a skinny clown make him more plush skinny pale clown yeah, I think I'm all right with it, actually. I, I wish I the hamburger was there. I, wish I there think there should be... That's it. I think there should be an element of fear when you go to eat two double cheeseburgers to have that clown skulking over you to make you double... Just, just like, think about what you're doing. Is this good for you? I'll still do it because I'm a monster, but, like, it's nice to have someone to keep you in check. Anyway, the kids Katie. dunked over Ronald. That was... Oh, that's got to be, like, a highlight of a career, I think. That's pretty good. This guy again, can go out of the NBA, be the first overall pick. And I was like, I why didn't think... they dunk over Grimace? <laughs> that's... Much better to me. The Hamburglar. You're just doing a vigilante justice in that situation. Anyway, mm -hmm. Katie. Uh, parody. <laughs> uh, chemistry. I do think we're seeing that team chemistry and the way things fit is a way in which teams can rise up in, in the standings. It can be the thing that separates you. If everyone's got good talent, mm -hmm. the way it fits together is going to matter. And I think we've seen that. Like I mentioned, the Kings, that team just fits together beautifully. They play gorgeous offense. It all is harmonious. We don't have to talk about what they do on the defensive end, but the offense is incredible. <laughs> Best we've ever seen. Um, you know, even like the Memphis Grizzlies, that whole team's thing is we're crazy. Uh, we <laughs> love it. We're, we're, we're freaks and you're going to have to deal with it. And like they have that. That's their calling card um you know and obviously like when the warriors are at their best they they separate themselves from this mushy middle whenever they get on a heater with their you know the second half against the pelicans earlier this week's a good example of that um the raptors as they're currently constructed i think we saw in that miami heat game a couple nights ago where you were on you were traveling so i'm not sure if you caught it but um this was a game where the chemistry where the on-court fit where everything seemed to flow where scotty mm -hmm. barnes had the ball in his hands a bunch it was finding the right guys. He had 12 assists. Um, they were using, you know, the sort of leverage that each individual guy has to create looks for others. And the issue with this Raptors team all season long has felt like one of fit, one of chemistry, also mm -hmm. a lack of personnel before they got Yaka Pertle. That's a big part of it, too. They came into the season with the most continuity of any team in the league, and it hasn't quite 
played out the way it was hoped it would. Um, obviously, you know, the lack of development from a guy like Precious Achua hurts that. The lack of any center play for the first 60 games hurts that, yada, yada, yada. Um, do you see a pathway with this Raptors team, with the pieces they have on board? If they are to just keep this team together, which I'm coming further around on, that should just be what they do. They're 12-8 and eight with Jakob Pertle. They look like a good basketball team. I don't think in this league of parity, being a good basketball team should be viewed as some sort of bad mark against you. It's mm-hmm. fine to be in the middle in this version of the NBA. Um, do you see there being some sort of pathway out of this middle muck via chemistry for the Toronto Raptors, Katie? Not alone, unfortunately. No? I don't think chemistry alone can do it because I actually think the Raptors have lost quite a bit of chemistry mm-hmm. um, in terms of losing staff, losing mm-hmm. players that really uh, contributed to that and what the, the sort of genetic makeup chemistry-wise of that team was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then didn't necessarily prioritize replacing it. Some of that, I think, was just due to time and place and situation. You know, some pretty rough years just with the pandemic and what that did to schedules and like disruptions. And I think there's obviously a psychological toll on that, that we don't talk about a lot, Mm -hmm. or it doesn't, there's not a lot of room for in conversations like this. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there are some guys who maybe just don't see how they fit or that they want to fit with the Mm -hmm. team anymore. Uh, That's going to lend to chemistry. Cause again, what we talked about earlier, the way that what parody is going to do to the league is create a real need for buy-in consistent mm-hmm. buy-in, not just you buy in at the beginning of the season you tell your front office and your teammates, yeah, I'm in, I'm all in, you know, it's going to take really like reestablishing that over and over again, because, you know, I'm glad you actually brought up the Kings bad defensive mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, talent, because look at the Mavs who similarly pretty good offensively, awful mm-hmm. like one of the worst defensive teams in the west it's like actually like, a joke <laughs> but unlike <laughs> the kings yeah who have figured out ways to make up for that mm-hmm. i don't think the mavs actually have great chemistry right now they haven't mm-hmm. even before kyrie irving got there um it just seems like a bit of a separate pieces kind of team and to me that's sort of what the raptors are right now i did catch highlights at that game and i agree with you they looked really mm-hmm. good on the floor there was like a nice flow and a rhythm to things that i think have been lacking for a lot of the season thus far a lot of the reasons you touched on i think are totally valid mm-hmm. winning makes everybody a lot happier and it makes easy it makes it easier to be happier when you're winning and have mm-hmm. like a good chemistry and everybody's feeling good and believes in like the vision or whatever but i feel like there might be some churn this summer I don't think that it's a bad thing. I think to perhaps maybe inject some new leadership, new faces uh, into the locker room could really help the Raptors. Mm. As much as I was just like touting patience (laughs) in front (laughs) offices, a part of that is being shrewd and understanding when things have perhaps worn their course. Maybe that's in coaching. I don't know. But I do think there has to be um, some kind of a change because Mm – it does seem like between Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam, Ojan and Ogi, and now even Scotty a little bit, everyone's kind of moving in different directions. It seems mm-hmm. like they want to. It seems like there's a bit of a strain. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't mean this like who secretly doesn't like who. I just mean yeah. when you watch them, even just on the floor strictly, it seems like there's a bit of the strain in the way that they each feel most comfortable and want to play basketball. So, yeah. Um, 
that all to say, I think chemistry is very important because you're seeing what it can do to teams that are very technically unskilled or bad in one area, but where those teams are still, you know, killing it. Yeah. And I think the Raptors have almost set themselves up for this to be even a greater challenge for them to try to sort out because of the sort of unorthodox roster they've built. Right. And it's not to say that they can't figure it out either, right? Like, I think... You know, as much as there are the detractors who think it's impossible for Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam to fit together, uh, they've had plenty of extended stretches over two seasons now where they have worked wonderfully off of one another and their strengths amplify one another's. And I do think, in general, you've seen it now. The arrival of Jakob Pertle has been so... You know, you ever see, like, a documentary about mushrooms? Uh, this... <laughs> There's a thing called Fantastic Fungi. It's a delightful documentary. You should watch it. My uh, mother-in-law can't stop talking about it. It's like her favorite movie. Um, but like mushrooms, fungi, they are sort of, they're all interconnected, right? Like little strands within the, the mushrooms will be the end of the world, by the way. Uh, but, us, bro. Hell yeah. Us. They're not lying. Um, but yeah, like there's this interconnectivity that fungi have where, you know, you have sort of like a central hub. Everything flows out of there. I think... Jakob Pertl has helped create more of those connective ties within the team, right? He's got that synergy with Fred Van Vliet. He's got the connection with uh, OG Ananobi. He's got like a personal friendship side of things, which is probably part of this as well on some level with Pascal Siakam. Him and Scotty Barnes have been very successful when they share the floor together. Um, you know, guys who are good shooters are going to benefit from the arrival of a Jakob Pertl type. And now they're layering in more, trying to make more of it all come together. And I think they've actually been pretty successful in it. Their starting five has been awesome, right? Like, I think you can say that's a lineup that has achieved some level of chemistry, some sort of pulling in one direction. They're a plus 13.2 net rating in 226 minutes. There's good stuff happening there. And I think this is not something that gets fixed overnight. When I'm talking about can the Raptors save themselves from the middle, it's not this season. I think it's kind of a lost cause this year to think, oh, well, this is the year where they're going to go and surprise in the first round or something like that. It's probably not going to happen that way. But you build those connective ties now and hopefully mm -hmm. carry them over into next season. And I think Yaka Pertl's arrival gives them a shot at that. I'm glad you mentioned the coaching thing, because I think that is maybe the next thing to kind of examine here. And we will do that after the break. First, Nick Nurse. Mm. I want to say, yes, you're saying Jakob Pertle is mm -hmm. the real fun guy. He is the real fun guy. Yes. <laughs> yes, Katie. This is why we have you on the podcast. <laughs> We're going to come back on the other side. Talk about Nick Nurse and his role in the Raptors' chemistry situation and what might happen with him as the season winds to a close and the offseason is nigh. We will get to that in a sec. But first, got to tell you about our friends over at FanDuel, the number one sports book in America. The NCAA tournaments, men's and women's, are hitting the final four this weekend. And now is the perfect time to download FanDuel because FanDuel is giving new customers a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and sign up today to claim your no-sweat first bet. Then you can wager on everything from the money line to point spreads to which team will cut down the nets when it's all said and done. All in an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use as well. So do not miss your shot at a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA and of LockedOn. 
All right, we continue on here, back into the laboratory with our Erlenmeyer flasks as we talk about chemistry. Uh, can you name the periodic table start to finish, Katie? Go. Uh, potassium. Uh, <laughs> good enough. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I used to there, be able to. I will oh, say. Oh, there was I a time. I used to be able to yes. because you had to memorize. You, you, I would make up like reasons in my head of like why – then the you know the letters don't always match what you think the mm -hmm, element is mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i had like little stories and like reasons why of course because, this is yeah. how you remembered it katie uh <laughs> <laughs> but i and there was a time when i knew but i'm very sorry to say that uh that part that thing has left my brain or the listeners out there honor system please don't go google it before you do this but in the comments just write as many of the elements yeah. in the periodic table in a row starting with one all the way down to whatever you can get to and what's your favorite one and the one you weirdly remember yeah you can also do that as well just your favorite talk about <laughs> elements in Let's the go. comments today <laughs> we're just finding new ways to drum up that seo katie we're gonna get chemistry internet all up on this episode it's mm -hmm. gonna be great um nick nurse i'm glad you mentioned nick nurse because Ultimately, a lot of chemistry, a lot of team connectivity, a lot of mm -hmm. a lot of stuff flows through the head coach. I think Nick Nurse is a good basketball coach, a very good basketball coach, a championship level basketball coach. When you get him into the playoffs, he pulls the right cranks and levers. He is in his own experimental lab with his own Erlenmeyer flasks and Bunsen burners when he's in a game in the playoffs, and I think it's great. The regular season maybe a little bit less of a, of a strength of his when it comes to uh, building continuity. You know, mm -hmm. I think about Dwayne Casey and the way he used to run the same 10 players in the exact same sub pattern every single game and the way that forged a team identity, a team chemistry and continuity and all of that. And look, ultimately, talent is what's going to win out at the very end. There's a reason the Bucks are not part of the mushy middle we've talked about. They have freaking Giannis. There's a reason the Nuggets aren't there. The Celtics, talent is ultimately the big thing here. But if you're trying to milk more out of what you got, a coach probably goes a long way to doing that in today's NBA. I'm curious, Katie, of your level of confidence in Nick Nurse as the dude to instill some sort of culture of chemistry within this Raptors team as they look to pull themselves from the middle going into next season. I think he's in a bit of an interesting position because as a coach who came in um, in a year where he was handed an incredibly talented roster that, yes, he had helped to kind of build and and you'd ostensibly think foster and shape uh, from an assistant role mm -hmm. under Casey. He nevertheless like had a fully intact team on all levels, talent, um, like roster iterations, I think chemistry hugely. And since then, those things have sort of trickled off and trickled away and haven't really seen him implement or think of what is our identity going to be next? Because I get mm -hmm. it. Like, you can't stick with the same. Teams change, and they have to mm -hmm. by nature. Or, like, you'll just become very bad. And to his credit, he's always been quite good at doing what best maximizes whichever collection of players he has sure. at the time. In, like, a yeah. very technical way. Yes. In a way yes. where it's, like, this maximizes this because X, Y, Z. Not necessarily because this is going to maximize this because of personality fit, where people are at on their individualized, I'd say even developmental trajectory. Um, I think there's sometimes a lack of awareness, maybe of the the team nuances going mm -hmm. on. There's some mm -hmm. tension, a part of me now. I mean, it sucks. This season is a hard one to say, like, is anyone having fun? But there are times when I do wonder, do you like your job? Mm -hmm. Are you having a good time? 
it's not everything, but it is something, especially yeah. when you're trying to forge leadership and instill like belief in the team and like amp guys up. You want to have, you want to be more than just like arm's length from them. Mm-hmm. And some coaches are like, I don't know. I remember when like Bud <laughs> came and someone <laughs> asked him about plays and he's like, I don't look at any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And it seems surprising, but I was like, you know what? Like, Bud, I think, is in tune with his team in more ways than just like what's, you know, what his like defensive coaches are drafting up and he's maybe not taking a look at or a very cursory look at right before a game. Or mm-hmm. that made sense to me. I felt like he still has a finger on the pulse in a team in a way that is meaningful and sort of counts. And I just wonder if Nick Nurse has that. Mm. Um, I don't feel like he does. Like we've talked before about him, you know, like calling guys out, which I get it, but sometimes it, it, I don't know, has that worn off? Like, does that work anymore? When there are, these are the ways that you communicate, sorry, with your team and they don't actually communicate with your team anymore. You Mm -hmm. sort of got to go back to the drawing board. Yeah. I mean, I ultimately, I think, Every player is different and is going to respond differently to things. Is every player going to respond to Nick Nurse's callouts? No, but some mm-hmm. might. I, I, I don't know. I'm not the arbiter of when it's right and when it's not. As I don't know these guys, right? I don't know. I don't have the day-to-day relationship with a Gary Trent Jr. to know what he's going to respond to the way Nick Nurse probably does. Even if we disagree with the methodology, he might have way more intel as to why he's doing what he's doing than any of us normies. But I just, for me, it's felt just a little angsty this season. It's right. felt as though, yeah. and I th- we've talked about this a lot, the lack of direction from the front office, right? And sort of like, what's this team's goal this year? What's this about? I think you could also tie that sort of into Nick Nurse a little bit when it comes to the sort of unclear nature of the team hierarchy. Mm-hmm. And like I talked about a lot of the, but this yesterday where it's like, you know, Pascal and Fred are not just going to go seed the team to Scotty Barnes. Like they're they're dudes who have been there. They're all stars. They're champions. Like they're going to have to have the the keys to the team taken from them. And I don't think that's a bad thing necessarily. By but you know, for them to say, hey, you know, Scotty, you got to earn this. When he plays like he did against Miami, he's going to earn it real quick because he is the most dynamic player they have when he's mm-hmm. on. He just hasn't been on all the time. And mm-hmm. like, I don't know what you're supposed to do with that, but I do wonder like. And this is totally possible. This has been laid out, but like, what have been the conversations internally about? Like, hey, this is how the team's going to be constructed. This is how things are going to work. This is where you know these are various guys ordering the pecking order, as it were, or whatever. And I I just wonder if maybe there's been like a breakdown of communication in laying all of that out for the team Mm -hmm. to kind of know each night. All right, this is how we operate. This is how we play. And ultimately, for me, I think it's possible to you know maybe look at making a, a coaching change for the sake of making a coaching change. I think I said this last week. Like, I, I think with players, it's way different. You should pl- trade away good players at your own risk because having good players is a good thing. And it's kind of an unquestionable thing when it comes to building basketball teams. Good players, good. Coaches, I think, are a little bit more unknowable, right? And it's going to take circumstance to really, you know, there are certain guys who are going to thrive in different circumstances more than others. And I just wonder if maybe with this team at the juncture it's at, with the positive signs we've seen from the on-court personnel since the Yakupertle trade, if maybe the deal to, or the move to sort of settle everything and get everyone pulling in the same direction again Mm -hmm. is just a change in the voice at the top. And I'm not saying go fire Nick Nurse. I don't know how I feel about it just yet, but I think 
it's something they're going to have to look at and really examine this offseason. It's one of the most important questions to me because as we've talked about, you're not pulling yourself out of the mucky middle if you have a collection of good players that isn't pulling in the same direction. You will fall into the quicksand and be the Mavericks and not be very happy, even if the roster itself is talented and has enough juice to be pretty good. Um, any sort of thoughts after? Uh, like, What do you make of what I just kind of laid out there? <laughs> no, I'm with you. I, I'm not necessarily saying, you know, Nate Nurse has got to go. Um, but it just strikes me that there's a trickle down effective play right mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know when you get handed something that's very intact and ready to go but you haven't really done too much at least from our perspective to shore that up for the future and you've lost like you've hemorrhaged uh, assistant talent i would say mm-hmm. and like diverse assistant talent with a lot mm-hmm. of different perspectives and viewpoints than your own that aren't necessarily just like out of your own coaching camp mm-hmm. um and i don't think that He's really topped those people up in a way that at least I'm seeing a difference. And you've lo- and you haven't. I don't know the pipeline between. We talked about this at like the live event, but I still think about this a lot. Like the pipeline between 905 and the Raptors feels a little bit not there anymore. Yeah, it's a little. There's like a been a collapse, and there's like a some rubble blocking yeah, away yeah. a little bit. Yeah, it's like when there's a big <laughs> storm and like a gutter gets this weird. Yeah, because then who's the gutter? The Raptors. Anyway, um, <laughs> maybe right now they are, but that goes also to coaching talent, right? Because you had mm-hmm. guys like Patrick Matumbo who would like do some time with the Raptors, and then was like the head coach of the 905. Gemma Malala did that too. Like you know, this is just the way that it, it had been. Uh, and it seemed to work really well. And now you've sort of cut that off. And I wonder why. It's not mm-hmm. that they don't need it. I'd say the Raptors could really use that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and when looking at like, okay, are we trying to are we trying to meaningfully develop Delano Ben? What about like Ron Harper Jr.? What about some of these other guys that we've got mm-hmm. and we're just hanging on to? So um, again, maybe all this comes down to a lack of clarity in direction. But um yeah, I don't know. I hate to be like a generalist, but sometimes coaching changes can help mm-hmm. massage that along. Yeah, we uh, we end a podcast about the unknowable by talking about the unknowable. <laughs> I think that's probably a pretty good place to leave it, Katie. Anything you would like to promote for the good people out there before we say bye-bye? <laughs> um, <laughs> I've got a lot of stuff uh, coming up, as you mentioned, for my trip to Houston for the McDag. It's so cute they call it McDag. The McDag. Um, yeah. Um, I, did the McDag? Uh, that was a character in the Banshees of Inishiran, right? Oh, <laughs> Mc, McDag. Just like a fun townsfolk type. Maybe. Um, but I'm <laughs> headed to, actually, I'm headed to Dallas tomorrow for the Women's Final Four. So Hell yeah. Follow along on, I guess, social if you want to see some uh, offhanded, like, in the moment coverage. And then I'll have some coverage from that coming on Dime as well. Hell yes. Go check all of it out. Uh, you can follow me. Over on Instagram, Locked on Raptors is on Twitter at Woodley Sean. You can go subscribe to the show for free wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. It's much appreciated when you do that. Uh, there'll be no episode tomorrow. I have a personal day booked tomorrow, so there'll be no show tomorrow. We'll be back again on Monday, break down the games against the Sixers and the Hornets, two very different opponents, uh, but we'll dig into those on Monday for sure, as we'll have even more clarity on the old play-in picture by the time those games are wrapped. And uh, thank you so, so much for being part of our Lockdown Raptors family here. And uh, tell a friend to do all that good stuff. Go make your second listen of the day, Locked On Blue Jays. Craig Ballard, 
started this week. Yes, Katie, we're supporting our fellow <laughs> Locked On sister show, and the Blue Jays start today. So you're going to want to get the lowdown from Craig over on Locked On Jays. And uh, we'll leave it there. Have yourselves a wonderful weekend, and thanks for hanging. 